Most of our stores are in centers with a couple specific retailers, and we communicate quite consistently about what I'm seeing in my stores that could be adversely affecting their stores. And the other way around, they'll communicate with me as well. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Jim Myers. Jim is Vice President of Loss Prevention and Safety at Sally Beauty. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hey, good, Peter. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's really great to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to our discussion. And our focus today is how Sally Beauty minimizes loss and protects their workers, but before we begin, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your background and career? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll do the abridged version. So <laughs> my career's kind of went back and forth between operations and loss prevention for 30 plus years. I was actually going to go and be a state trooper when I was in college. Oh, wow. Started working private retail and just really loved it. And just kind of worked my way up through the ranks in one store, then a district, and then a region. And then I was offered the opportunity to go into distribution loss prevention. Came out of that, back into the field, went into the operations side as a district manager. Did that for a number of years, regional director, back into loss prevention. And then I was VP of stores for a company in Canada, a subsidiary of a company in the U.S., but I was up in Canada before I landed at Sally Beauty Holdings about three and a half years ago. That's really cool. It sounds like it's just in your blood and in your nature. What is it that really attracted you to the, the industry? You know, I think it's ever-changing and, you know, ever-changing today, let alone what it was 30 years ago. I mean, mm. I still remember winding up detail tapes with a pencil. Right. Just, the, you know, when you go through just the evolution of our industry has been absolutely amazing. And I, I don't think I could do anything else outside of the retail industry, to be honest with you. Well, that's cool. Well, you guys have certainly seen a lot of that change. I know Sally Beauty has grown into quite a massive global organization from pretty humble roots in New Orleans back in the 60s, if, I'm, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. Can you start by just telling us a little bit about the makeup of the company and your role there specifically? Yeah. So we have uh, approximately 5,000 stores in North America. We have stores in Europe. Uh, we're in uh, limited partnerships with companies as well. We really have two primary parts of our stores when I think about brick and mortar. So we have the Sally stores that anybody can walk into on a daily basis and you kind of see them everywhere. And then we have another faction of our company that's called Cosmoprof. And Cosmoprof is open to licensed beauticians, cosmopologists, where they can go in and shop for their needs to support their businesses or their booth or their chairs. And we have a strong e-com business. And it's been fun just in my three and a half years of being here just to see how we've grown as, an or as a company. It's been a lot of fun and to see the innovation and the new ideas that are coming out of this office every day. And then, you know, we've got amazing stores out there across the nation with such committed employees that care. And you talk about my passion for the industry. They have a passion for the beauty industry. And it's evident every single day in our stores. Mm, well, that's the key passion. It's what makes companies stand out separately and people stand out separately from others when it comes to performing well. So that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Now, with so many locations and employees to protect, what are some 
some of the risk profiles and disruptions that you and your team face on a regular basis and prepare for? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, there's, you know, as I've said, you got to kind of look around the corner all the time. But just recently, we've had a hurricane come up through the Gulf of Mexico. And, you know, we have doors in that area. As you indicated, New Orleans is where our company started many years ago. So we have a number of stores up in that area that we had to look at and keep tabs on and monitor on a on a consistent basis through that. So basically with that many people in locations, you've probably already experienced just about everything that could happen, or you got to be ready for everything that could possibly happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a little bit of both. You, you experience a lot, but then you got to continue to peek around the corner to see what may be out there and kind of have contingency plans for that and think about what you can do to minimize the risk that associates may have. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, pandemic is clearly top of mind for a lot of folks because that's going on right now and has been for quite some time. And it's really significantly changed the way that a lot of retail organizations operate. In fact, I had a, a really good conversation on the show earlier this year with Jack Britton from Loss Prevention Magazine. And he discussed how loss prevention teams have taken on much more responsibility due to COVID. Have you experienced that at Sally Beauty or within your role specifically there? Yeah, we absolutely did. We wanted to really support our operating teams. So we spent a lot of time ensuring that our store associates were compliant with PPE requirements, whether they be masks, if they were mandated, social distancing, limiting capacities in stores. And we did it not in a punitive way, but always in the message of keeping you safe, keeping our employees safe, keeping our customers safe, and also making sure that we weren't going to be in any infractions of any uh, local state laws that required us to limit capacities or have sneeze guards up or do all the right things that we needed to do. When the pandemic first hit, our CEO came out and said, our number one priority through this pandemic is going to be safety. Mm. And we took that and ran with it as an organization. I mean, it was first and foremost. And he was certainly relating that to COVID and what we are faced with. But I extrapolated that out and I said, okay, we're, we're going to, if we're going to be focused on safety, we're going to be focused on safety all the way around and whether it be other events that are taking place in our stores. And we did a number of things. Like I said, we did the PPE observations of our stores to make sure we were compliant. And if we were challenged by local or state regulators, we could produce documentation that showed what we were doing. And it helped us in many occasions. And quite honestly, it just made our associates feel good. And they felt like they were being supported on a daily basis. Would you say that's helped you guys get through COVID a little bit better? Yes. It's just from the CEO yeah. down, just that safety first, It's it's made people say, we're committed. We hear that you are, so we're going to be too. Absolutely. There was no gray. There was absolutely no gray. We were all committed to safety being our number one priority through the pandemic. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And, you know, what it allowed us to do too is because, you know, different stores were faced with staffing models that may be a little bit different. You know, maybe associates couldn't come in or they just couldn't due to illness or what have you. It allowed us to do some things safety-wise, protect lone workers at given time. So one of the things we started doing is we put security devices in our stores for our associates. And if they had an adverse action take place, they could hit a button mm. and it would go to FEMA-trained operators that would listen for keywords and be able to, to respond with local authorities if needed. If COVID has proved anything, companies had to leverage costs, and they had to leverage costs while still keeping brick and mortar open. And it required, you know, retailers to do some unique things to still be operating. 
One of the things is, you know, they had a lower cost by reducing SG&A costs. And what this allowed us to do with these safety devices is have almost that second worker in the store with that associate with a safety device that if something occurred, they had that support almost immediately by hitting a button and an operator being responsive to the needs of what they had. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly one disruption, you know, COVID. There's other things you mentioned before, like natural disasters, civil disruptions. What are some of the other mitigation strategies you use to deal with those kind of challenges? Yeah, so, you know, we've been, you know, you, you pay a lot of attention to the fires that are happening out in California and staying in tune to that and knowing how close fires are to our stores and what associates may be impacted. We've had stores before where you open the front door and you can see the fires right up on the mountainside. Wow. And making sure we're staying in touch with local leadership to provide any support that they may need. Civil disruption that took place a couple years ago, you know, we had we had stores impacted by that and being able to work with law enforcement and being able to monitor those stores overnight through our remote CCTV systems. And being able to tell a store manager, hey, you can't go to your store tomorrow morning. It's not safe. We're going to work to get you in there. But right now, it's not the time to be in there. And just give them that peace of mind that somebody has their back. And we spent a lot of time doing that last summer, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. It allowed us to do a couple things as well that I should talk about when COVID hit. Just like most retailers, we developed a COVID playbook. So we gave, you know, it's a color by numbers for our stores, how to how to respond to marking their floors, social distancing, all those pieces that went into creating, I would say, consistency and sustainability across our organization with that playbook. And we did the same thing with civil civil unrest. We had a team up here. We met on a daily basis to talk about what we are faced with, what we are experiencing, and getting all the pieces in play to be able to respond to those stores in those cities where events took place. You know, we've had situations where we've had in in some centers active shooters, not in our buildings, but in other buildings, and making sure those protocols are in place for those associates to be safe and locked down the right way. It's as complicated of a business today than I think it's ever been. And I think you've always got to be looking around that corner for what could be a, a a pending impact to your business. And I think you got to consistently be doing that or you're going to get get behind. Yeah, everything you've talked about so far just talks about essentially the importance of communication because you don't know what's coming around the corner. You have to rapidly adapt to whatever that change is. And the best way to do that is to communicate quickly. So with that in mind, how does communication tie into your role at Sally Beauty? And what aspects of communication do you value most? Oh, me, to me, it's you said it, it's about speed. It's about accuracy and it's about knowledge. Mm. So, you know, the information isn't good if it comes fast, but it's inaccurate. So you almost have to validate the information you're getting. And I try and do that with peers in the industry. I may call a peer or text them and say, hey, we're hearing this. Are you hearing this? Yeah, we're hearing the same thing. Okay, great. So now we can kind of help each other to a certain degree. Most of our stores are in centers with a couple specific retailers and we communicate quite consistently about what I'm seeing in my stores that could be adversely affecting their stores. And the other way around, they'll communicate with me as well. So it's speed, accuracy, and it's having knowledge of the, your peers in the industry and how to leverage them. It is so important that they, you have to have that network out there of people that you can rely on because you, you can't have eyes everywhere. But between three or four or five of you, you may have eyes everywhere based on where their foothold is of brick and mortar buildings as well. 
So it, it is so important. It's one of the things I love about our industry. It's not a us versus them mentality. Mm. You know, when we need to come together, we certainly do as an industry and it's, it's perfect. You know, you get to see it on a regular basis through certain calls that we're on together as well, how we share information to keep each other whole and keep each other protected. Yeah, no, super valuable. I guess a lot of people don't know how important that pre-planning and networking is to having better outcomes when something bad happens. So if you had to put a number on it, like a percentage, how much time do you think you spend every week just thinking about networking and making sure you've got eyes everywhere? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> that is a great question. I would tell you probably 20 to 25% of my time at minimum is if I'm not thinking about it, I'm putting the thoughts into my team's mind about, hey, reach out to so-and-so. They have a store in that area. Or reach out to this person. They have an expertise in this area. And it probably is at another retailer because you've got those resources out there. So utilize them the same way I would answer their questions if they came to me. So it's probably even guiding my team of where their resources are as well because they just may not have that institutional knowledge of fill-in-the-blank retailer. So you spend a lot of time thinking about that, or I'll come across something that I just haven't experienced before, but I know one of my peers in the industry has. I'll call them. Give me your thoughts on this. I think that's important to do. Yeah, without a doubt. So I'll encourage everyone listening that as you think about your business continuity plans, your disaster recovery plans, just make sure you have a big network. It is a team effort when things go bad and you've got to rely on those folks. Yeah, we saw it last year, Peter, quite extensively during the civil unrest. I remember being at home one night watching TV, watching one of the news networks, and I saw one of my peers' buildings being looted. And I texted him and he said, hey, I'm watching it on TV. And he's like, yeah, so am I. And I'm like, what do you need? What can we do to support you? You can't operate in a vacuum. It is way too complicated today. By the way, that person who's adversely affecting me is adversely affecting my peers out there. Yeah. It's about keeping people safe at the end of the day. We got to we got to get that person off the street who could be dangerous. Well, when it comes to employee safety in general, what's most important to you both from your individual perspective as a safety leader but also within the culture at Sally Beauty? Yeah, it's I I've told people this story a lot. My daughter, my 17-year-old daughter got a part-time job this past year and it was her first job and I was happy for her, but being in this industry a long time, you know, there's probably nothing I haven't seen. So the dad in me is like, oh, no, like, I'm a little nervous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she she worked there part time. It was a very safe place. It was a good place. Don't get me wrong. But it just makes me think about the fact that I hope somebody is paying attention to my 17 year old daughter in that company. And I have the same obligation with our associate. That is somebody's daughter, somebody's spouse somebody's brother working in one of our stores and I, or our distribution centers or our home office. Let me, let me be clear. I take that responsibility the, the same way I hope somebody is taking my daughter's responsibility to their company. So that is paramount for me and, and something I think about every single day, every single day. And now you, your question about how much percent of my time do I think about my peers in the industry, 20, 25%. I think about an associate safety 100% of the time. Mm. It is the first and foremost thing on my mind every single day. Now, a lot of organizations 
kind of pay lip service to that, or it seems like it. So how do you make sure that the employees actually know that you mean what you say? I tell them. I tell them. I'll, I'll get on district calls, region calls. I go to stores. If we know of something happening in a center, I will partner with operations, our real estate area, and say, we can't operate here. We've got to change. We need to put some controls in place. We need to do something different. It's one reason why we rolled out the loan worker safety devices to keep our associates safe. We send those out. There's not a lot of internal hurdles you got to go through to get one of those. We want people to be safe. And then it's just partnership and collaboration with her. It's our operations partners, our real estate partners, our facilities partners. You know, I'll do almost anything to, to ensure one of our associates is safe. And we do that on a continuum. And I will tell you, I don't need that. I am hoping that doesn't sound like it's a battle. here. Everybody is aligned. Right. So it is just, it is, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's and making it happen. And I think what you just said there is so key that everyone has to be aligned. If there isn't that alignment, then it just, it turns into what seems like it's just lip service. That's exactly what can happen. And, you know, in the three and a half years I've been here, I have not had that situation once here. Not once. I have great partners here who I have tremendous amount of respect and admiration for, and they all want to do the right thing too. make no mistake about that. And that's what's, that's, what's great about our culture. That's what's great about owing culture of Sally Beauty Holdings. That's great. Well, we like to close out the show by asking our guests to provide our audience with a piece of advice or a lesson learned from your many years of experience. So do you have any takeaways that could help our listeners improve safety or loss prevention at their own organizations? You know, I would tell you, take your, take your teams along on the journey with you. Don't be hidden in what your agenda is be very overt about it because they're going to they're going to want to get on that train especially as it relates to safety and protecting our assets it doesn't do to create top line sales if you're not keeping it on the bottom line so the more you get people aligned to protecting top line and bottom line growing top line and impacting bottom line you'll get people there our business has changed from what it was 30 years ago or 25 years ago where it was all about top line and not bottom line because companies are seeing the impact to that. Number two is, I would tell you, just be curious. Curiosity is probably the greatest leadership trait you can have. Be curious about everything. If it's not about loss prevention, okay. If it's about operational practices or new product coming out or a new marketing campaign, understand it, learn it, know it. Because you'll be an advocate when you're out in the field. You've got to have a holistic approach to this business. And then take risks on people. It's amazing how people will rise up and when you challenge them to do things different. I love taking people into loss prevention from other parts of the business, whether it's a district manager who has a, you know, a knack or a desire to get into our industry. Like introduce them to it. They learn, they look at the business differently than traditional loss prevention people. And that's a great thing. I've had people from finance who have black belt, Six Sigma black belts mm -hmm. who had no LP experience that have done some amazing things for us. District managers from other parts of the business come into loss prevention and have been absolute rock stars in our world. And that is awesome because then you just talk about and you live that career mapping and that pathing for people to take their careers into different directions. Absolutely amazing. And you know, it's fun. It's the best part of our job is developing people and seeing them grow. So I know that was probably more than just one response, but I think, I think it's such a multifaceted industry and it's not shrinking. It's growing. 
you've just got to become a little bit more of an expert at what you do every single day. It's not that broad base, catching your way to profitability, catching bad people. The business is much more complicated and evolved to where it was 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's just, it's ever changing. And that's what's great about it. No two days are ever the same. And uh, no two situations are ever alike. They're all unique. The most important thing is you're dealing with people. So treat people well. Give them the opportunities to be successful. You know, that's kind of it for me. You can probably tell I get pretty passionate about it. I have a lot of fun doing what I do. Well, that's great. That, that excellent advice. Thank you for being on the show. We appreciate all of your time and expertise. Absolutely. Look forward to hopefully doing this again in the future. That sounds good. Well, if anyone listening has follow-up questions or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Yeah, LinkedIn, Jim Myers, M-I-R-E-S. Email me, jmyers at sallybeauty.com. I'm available. I'll always answer people's questions and help and probably learn more than I contribute, to be quite honest with you. And I think if you're if you like that, that's what you do is you learn more than you probably contribute at times. Yeah, it goes back to your your statement about curiosity. That's that's awesome. That's yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.